it's hard. It is very hard. There were some dark moments for me in that because I had to work through correlating my worth with how I looked. Yes. Because as a fitness trainer at the time and Liz and I running a nutrition business, I thought that I, people probably were like, you look like you've given up. You look like you let yourself go, you know, and all these things. And it was like, there's a lot of internal battles there of, you know, people are not going to take me seriously because I felt like I looked like I had let myself go. And so, you know. Well, I think too, you were also comparing yourself to that 9% body fat, right? Like we have a lot of clients that we work with that I'm sure, Amy, you can resonate with this. I know for me, for a long time, I still saw myself as the girl that was over 200 pounds, you know, like that body dysmorphia, um, even when you're losing weight. And so I think for her on the flip side of that, it was like, you're comparing not to the eight to 10 pounds that you gain, but to the leanest version of yourself. What are you doing to create your dream life or your best self? Why do we see some thrive through challenges while others struggle? Welcome to Effort, a podcast where I talk about the main Fs in my life that have helped me in creating my best self. Faith, family, forgiveness, food, fitness, and formula. Hi, my name is Amy Ledeen, and most would say that I've had my fair share of struggles, whether it was placing my baby for adoption at 18, facing my marriage-ending affair, or battling stage four cancer for almost seven years, it's safe to say that I've been through a lot. Join me as I take you through my story, my journeys, and share with you the tactical strategies every single week that will help you thrive and overcome anything you face. That's right, I'm gonna show you how to create a future self that you'll be proud of. So buckle up, get ready for the ride as I take you through my story and bring other guests on that have helped me along the way. I'm so excited for today's episode. Today, you're going to hear from Liz and Becca. They have a podcast called The Food Code. And while they do talk a lot about nutrition and their business and the other side of dieting, you know, these ladies are also educators, entrepreneurs, and they're new moms. And this was an area that we really dove into in terms of modeling and our behaviors being caught. But we also talked about what I initially had them come on about, and that was about the other side of dieting and why so many females struggle and the missing pieces that most of these people are missing. I'm so excited for you to listen to this one. We cover all things food related, you know, how to find the best nutrition approach, you know, how to improve your lifestyle, your health. Uh, You're just going to love this one. So I hope you enjoy. Okay, I'm so excited for today because it's not often that I go on someone's podcast and then I go listen. I'll usually go listen to an episode. I'm just being real, guys, because I got to be, you know, I got to know a little bit about them and feel it. But these ladies, I have gone through their podcast. I'm like back in March now. I feel like I know them. Um, I feel a little crazy because they're going to be like, yeah, this is a little bit too much. But I, I had to have them come on because we align really well. I mean, and these ladies, they're so much fun. And so I'm excited because we're just going to kind of let this roll today, but welcome to the podcast, Becca and Liz. And before I forget, their podcast is called the Food Code Podcast. Because I know if people are listening, they're already going to go search you. So Food Code Podcast, but promise you're going to stay and listen to this one today. But welcome. <laughs> Thank you so much for having us. We are so excited. I mean, like, like you said, you know, you vibe with us. We feel the exact same way. Like since we had our podcast interview with you, I was like, gosh, she's just, she's awesome. She is, she's very real. She's an amazing story and you're crushing it with your husband. And it's just, you know, it's inspirational for us too. So, and I love your podcast too. There's a lot of just like the short 10, 15 minute ones. I'm like, we need to do more of these because sometimes we just rant on the mic for like an hour. (laughs) And I'm like, we got to shorten these up, like short and sweet, that tough love get on with your day. So thank you for having us. Watch, watch Becca's stories and you will already be like, okay, I have no excuses. Like she's out in the gym with her baby, like totally wanting to do something and and just, you know, and she gets in her zone. So any client now, because I don't have young babies anymore, but I do remember that life, but I want to go through both of your stories because I think it always sets the tone for people to understand, you know, where someone is coming from and how you really got to where you are now. Because I would say after listening to your podcast, you're definitely ahead of the curve. You're ahead of what most people are still preaching about. So bring me up to speed how you got to here. 
You want to start? We have the cool thing is we have very different stories yeah. that yeah. landed us yes. in kind of kind of the same place. Yeah. Um, so Liz will start. All right. I'll give you a, a short and sweet synopsis. And then if you want to listen to the full stories, you can head on over to the food code because we do elaborate there. So uh, my story began when I was a young girl, got diagnosed with children's rheumatoid arthritis, put on two very strong steroids and gained a ton of weight. Um, after that, I suffered with constipation for about eight years had a colonoscopy in college, not the kind of shots you want to be taking. Um, because I would call my dad and I said, dad, I don't think I could do this. He's like, sit down with a shot glass and take that juice. The juice is much better these days. Um, <laughs> but you know, the doctors kept saying everything is fine. You know, you just need to go exercise and, you know, eat less and whatever. Well, I did weight watchers for a period of time, went to the gym twice a day, like a crazy cardio person that I was. And I lost 40 pounds, graduated college, gained 50 back because the real world hit, right? Stress hit, life hit. Um, shortly after that, went to a functional uh, practitioner or holistic doctor around here and kept saying, man, things just still don't feel great. I've gained all this weight back, brain fog. I'm tired all the time. I'm still constipated, diagnosed with Hashimoto's. And that is what really spiraled uh, my journey and sparked uh, my interest in becoming a practitioner myself because I know so many people struggle with the same situation that I did, where either they think things are normal that are not, or they feel horrible and they go to the doctors and the doctors run tests and they say, everything is fine, you know, change your diet and eat less, move more. That model is broken to a certain extent and I needed healing. And so I went through about a year long uh, gut healing journey. And that's why I'm so passionate about digestion and pooping daily and not having poop issues. Um, and that brings me to, I have a three-year-old. I have lost over 50 pounds, kept it off now for about six, seven years. Met Becca, wait, six, seven years. I'm sorry, eight, nine years. This is 2022. Um, I met Becca in 2016. 2016, 2017. Yeah. 2016, 2017. And we just like God put us together, our paths crossed. And so now we are business partners and coach women all over the world. Yeah, yeah. My story is different. Um, so I, I was kind of like chubby kid growing up my whole life, um, which kind of started a lot of like the body image issues and just like, you know, always trying to think about how I could lose weight in college. I tried like the Beyonce diet, which I think is like, you drink like cayenne pepper, lemon juice, and you know, water for three meals. And then you eat one meal. It was, you know, I did all the things. Um, but I was also really athletic. So I was an all American athlete in college, but always still chubby because I didn't understand food. Um, and so after college, I found CrossFit and became extremely competitive in it. And that honestly, yes, changed my body into a place where like, I was the leanest I'd ever been. I was the fittest I'd ever been huge body issues though, like extremely unhealthy relationship with food, extremely mm. unhealthy relationship with exercise. I mean, yes, I competed, but I also, I think to an extent now that I look back on it, use my competitions and competing as an excuse for why I had to not go out to eat. I couldn't drink. Like I never drank. I never wanted to go out to eat with my husband. Like I, I, I was no fun. And yeah, I think that to an extent you need to do that to compete at a high level, but it was very unhealthy for me. Um, I got down right. to 9% body fat. I lost my period for multiple years and then had a competition ending injury. I ruptured my Achilles. Um, and my husband and I wanted to start a family had to go through IVF cause I did not have a period. So we went through IVF with our first, luckily we're very fortunate with the first round had Carson, my first, who's now almost four. Um, and then after my first baby, I hit major adrenal issues. And I think it was essentially a matter of like the accumulation of all the years mm. Pregnancy was a little bit of a catalyst effect um, and was like my trigger moment and me trying to get back to that after having him um, and just not being smart about it. Liz and I were also in a phase of really growing our business at that time. So I was not sleeping enough. I ended up to a place where I gained about eight, 10 pounds in like two and a half weeks. Um, my body just shut down. And so got cortisol testing, had complete flatline cortisol, like not my body wasn't even producing it. So I had to go through about eight to 12 months of completely healing my body, not, you know, cutting back on exercise, eating more, being okay with the weight gain for a period of time. Um, and then, you know, got to a place where I finally felt better. And the hard thing was that I went through a period of, you know, I was hashtag balance. I was like, I need to live this life of balance. I need to go out and drink more and be nicer to my body. And I thought that I was kind of healing my relationship with my body and food. 
and I was making it worse. And so I got into this place of, I, you know, was heavier and trying to be okay with it and trying to work through mindset, but I was actually not as happy because I wasn't challenging myself anymore as much. It was a lot of like, you know, it's okay. You, you know, you have to let your body heal. You have to change how you eat now because you can't be so obsessive. But then I went to the other side of the spectrum to where it, it wasn't okay for me. And I was trying to tell myself that it was okay. Um, and I think that that's where a lot of people end up is, you know, mm. they, try to, they try to end up being okay with what they're doing. And so anyways, since then I went through two years of pregnancy, I lost a baby at 22 weeks pregnant, um, which was really hard for us, obviously. And so grieving got pregnant three months after that was pregnant for like two years. So now I have a nine month old also. Um, she's amazing. And this postpartum was so much better than my first. I'm so much happier. I'm in a place where I'm stronger than I was. I'm fitter than I've ever been. I'm making it, figuring it out with two kids, but Liz and I, both because of our stories and the body not working with eat less, work out more, you know, the 1200 calories, work out more. Yeah. Other things were going on. We had health issues. And I think so many women end up in that place where like dieting just isn't working. Mm-hmm. And it's not because you need to cut calories more. It's because there's stuff that needs to be healed. There's things that yes. you need to take time with and step away from like, lose the weight, lose the weight, lose the weight. And get into a place of like, I need to give my body nourishment. I need to heal my body. I need to give it love. And then it will respond again. And so we've dove into, you know, furthering education to understand that because unfortunately macros don't touch that. Um, You know, you have to understand the gut at a different level. You have to understand the stress system in the body at a different level. Like all of these things become a little bit more complex and difficult to work through. And so that's kind of the population I would say that we we attract, Um, we cater to our people that like the normal things haven't worked. And so what do we need to address? Um, So yeah, that's, that's my story. I love it. And I've I've taken some notes here. I love that you both have experienced things. I'm not saying that everyone has to go through the experience. Like we could have that debate. I mean, every now and then I do get a little bit territorial when I see people talk about lasting fat loss and they're really not even there or it hasn't been lasting because I used to think it was just a mindset, like just will your way. There's actual strategies. I mean, I've seen it over the years. I've been able to get away from weighing food, but it was through an actual like do some homework around that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that is, you know, something, one of the other things you said that really was bang on was, you know, after you had, I think your first, and you were trying to accept yourself, which is what we need to do. I totally agree with you on that. It's like accepting, like, I need to love myself here. But I think society, and you can tell me if you think I'm wrong, is taking it now so far that, like you said, we're not willing to even do the hard work, like even on a daily basis and to some degree. Do you agree with that? Yeah. We've become very soft, I believe. And I also think that there's a whole movement of love your body that is unhealthy. If you are healthy, yes, you can be healthy and you know overweight, but I don't think that you can be overweight and love your body and actually like be proud of that. If that makes sense. Right. Like I'm saying you can be healthy, like according to, you know, like all of your lab work and your health is actually good because some people are naturally, you know, a little bit bigger, but do I think that it's okay for us to walk around with promoting 40, 60, 80, hundred extra pounds? No, because longevity wise, we know that shortens the span of life, right? That's just my opinion. I'm like, you're going to have diabetes eventually. You may Mm -hmm. not now, maybe your markers look good, but you keep that extra weight on. I mean, I even use scientific terms with my children. I'll say that adipose tissue because I do, you know, want them to see that. And that was something I wanted to talk to you ladies about being moms and seeing the power of modeling. You know, one of our mottos in our house is that behaviors are caught, not taught, that you can sit and teach your children until you are blue in the face, certain principles, values, even education on nutrition. But what they see you do is actually what they're going to catch. And your children are at the age that I freaking love. It's like the sponge age where it's like, if you were to like take a fork and eat it on the opposite end, your child would take the fork and eat it on the opposite end because that's how much they're modeling, right? What part of that now that you have children of your own has 
maybe even changed or shifted or the way that you, you know, coach your own, um, you know, clients? Like, do you impress that on them? Do you use that as a pain point sometimes? Like, what are you modeling? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the only way we're going to heal this world right now is by teaching our children and teaching them, you know, how to be strong individuals, how to know themselves, how to stand up for themselves, how to know food and know, you know, this is another piece that I, I struggle with as a parent back and forth because yes, I never want to create a fear of certain foods or a poor relationship with food around kids. You know, like that's, that's not what I want. I'm also not going to tell my kid that McDonald's is good for you or that sugar is okay to eat at every meal. And I will inform him because I, he is four year, almost four years old. The kid's smart. Like we do not give our children enough credit for what they understand and what they observe and what they pick up on. And so I'm very straightforward with him. I tell him, you know, I know that grandma likes to go and get you McDonald's on Thursday when you're with her and that's fine. And that's special. And that's a special thing. McDonald's is not something that's very good for us. And so we can't eat it very much. It's something you can enjoy. And I know you like it, but it's just not something that we can eat very often. And I tell him that. And sure, does he completely understand it? Probably not. But like he hears me and he processes that. And it's not you're you're going to get fat because you're eating McDonald's, even though sure that could happen too. But like at the end of the day, I'm not shaming it. I'm informing it and I'm telling him, you know, okay, you want ice cream? That's fine. We need to get some protein in at dinner. We need to try and eat some fruit. We need to try and get your body some things that have nourishment in them so that when you do have this sugar, you know, there's some balance there. Also, my four-year-old ain't going shopping himself. Okay. I'm doing the shopping. I'm getting the food that's in the house. He's going to eat what's in the house. And so I've shifted a lot of that. You know, I used to buy just because it was easy and it's what he wanted a lot more of the crap. And now it's, I get him perfect bars, which he loves the little peanut butter, perfect bars. They're one ingredients in it. He loves the first form cookie dough bars, which sure like aren't amazing. We ran out of them at our house. And every day he's asked me, mama, where is the, where's the cookie bars? And he's like, can I go get them with you? And I'm like, well, Carson, they're sold out. And he goes, do we need to go to Amazon? And I was like, no, they're not from Amazon. <laughs> And we're eating dinner with him more often because I can control, like, it's not easy. Sure. It's much easier and much more comfortable to just give him what he wants and to just totally like, that's the difficulty with parenting. It's much easier to hand him an iPad and be like, you know, I don't want to deal with you right now. Go watch your, no, like, let's talk. Let's go for a walk. Let's. And so we're very, very encouraging of mom is going to go work out. You can play outside. I'll be watching you and keeping an eye on you, but I'm going to, you know, and so I spend time with him while I'm yes. doing things. And it's like, it, it let them observe, let them, you know, yeah. want to well, do Well, he sees things. this as a part of your life, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and I can only speak for Marcus. He'll be three in a couple of weeks. Like he was out there this morning with me. He loves coming out and he asked for his little plastic barbell. Sometimes he'll mimic squats or he'll mimic lunges, you know, his latest thing is mama watch me and we run really really fast um and so i just love that we can show them that it is fun and it is hard but we can do hard things and we get to go to the park and we get to go to the water park and we get to do all these really fun things but we have to take care of our bodies first you know and then for me personally i've become very passionate about looking at ingredients of things and identifying you know what we can do to swap things out like instead of you know ice cream bars for example, or like slushies or smoothies, he has little fruit bars that are from um, Thrive Market. I believe BB's Organics or something, 35 calories, all natural, no artificial crap or added sugar. And then I do the same thing that Becca does in terms of when he wants ice cream or he asks for these things, we always evaluate. Have we had protein? Have we had any fruit? Love that. This fiber, right? And so kind of just teaching him that these things, it matters how we eat them, but they're also not something that we can have every single day. Mm-hmm. Right. It's kind of like supplements. You don't take supplements unless you've gotten your, your, your foundation, you know, there. So same with the food. I love that idea. I'm actually going to use that with my kids because I've always been torn. You know, I was the person that was put on a diet and I think that a lot of parents are forgetting that, you know, they look at their children and the exterior. And so they see a lot of times little skinny children and not realize that it's actually the habits it has nothing to do with what they're doing. And so for us, you know, I shared this on your podcast, like we, um, one of Eric's sons, my bonus son, Christian, he, 
he is 30 pounds overweight. I mean, I don't sugarcoat it. I would not say that to him, but I would say based on the, where he should be, he is. And, um, it's been really hard for us, you know, to see this and, you know, we go back and forth between families and I know the power of what we're doing and how you can have that counteracted and, in and, and the power of your environment. I mean, when you have mm-hmm. nothing in your home, but the healthy things and that's what they're going to grab. So last summer when the kids came down for the full summer, just with us, I, um, you know, we made it a mission, Eric and I, to not make it ever about dieting. We never talked about it. And everything that we were discussing was with all the children. So it was just seen as rules for all of them in that we talked about how snacking all day is considered high risk behavior. And that while it might be healthy things, your digestion, you know, we're trying to give them scientific reasons. So we said, let's have a schedule for your meals. You know, we're going to have four, you're going to have four meals a day. You don't need to have just breakfast because they're hungry. They'd walk in there. Right. And then having rules like, listen, First, it's always going to be the fridge and picking things from there. And you get one thing from like the pantry. Because my, I mean, I do have Cheez-Its. We baggy them out. My kids see now what a portion is and they're shocked by it, right? But I don't have a problem teaching them like those kinds of things. I mean, while I was gone for the weekend, my Eric and Leilani got these like Reese's Pieces Chips Ahoy. I haven't seen Chips Ahoy in ages, but they had a box of them. And so... I, you know, was looking at the label and, you know, Kamele was like, are these, you know, bad for me? And I hate that word. Like, I'm like, listen, Mm -hmm. nothing is bad for you. I said, but let me give you some examples of why you want to have less of these kinds of things. And I went to the label and I showed her hydrogenated oils. And I just had a little short, tiny conversation about what those do to Mm -hmm. her body. And at first she goes, mom, you're scaring me. I said, well, one, I don't want you to be scared, but two, I want to inform you, Leilani, because you have the power to put high octane fuel into your body a cookie here and there in life will not hurt that but if you constantly have these kinds of things of course and you know i don't apologize for doing that but it's definitely something that i think a lot of moms are you know unsure of i mean i was guilty of this and so i kind of have the perfect example i was a heavy mom before i had my oldest he's 24 now okay and i didn't lose my weight until i didn't even really change his habits until it was too late he was already in high school and i i was even though i was i took care of myself i'd already done all my meal prep i just gave my family whatever they wanted right and i didn't see it as my duty and i just called myself meal prep mom because i just ate whatever was in my meals in my fridge but i had no care and i say it that way because you know what i should have seen it as this is care for them it's care for their health in in doing that i even see the modeling kai is my only child that's not i mean he'll work out but it's not like he saw, he didn't see a mother doing it his whole life. Whereas my younger children, like that was who I have become. So when you were talking about that, Becca, you going out and, you know, same with you, Liz, that your four-year-old, you know, they see this and they want to run. Like they're, they're just seeing this as normal behavior that they just think this is the norm. My kids actually will be blown away when they become adults. I giggle about this, that they're going to be like, are you kidding me? People don't train every day. Like they don't go to the gym. Like this isn't part of like the summer schedule. Like my kids know we just changed our routine for the summer. Like we're going to be training at 9 a.m. And we're doing it on purpose because we want the kids to see us training. We Mm -hmm. see the power in like, we'll do it at this time because they're home. They're going to now see that. And that is, you know, important. So I love that you, you know, um, just push that. And I do believe that while we have a lot of women that have a lot of mindset issues that they need to grow through, they can already start now with their children. And so I tell people when they hire me, yes, your family's not hiring me with coaching, but they're going benefit big time. If you take all these things that I make you do like no screen time eating and put that on your children. But again, you got to be the example. I think of that one as a really big one for my kids because that's our challenge this summer is no screens mm-hmm. while we're eating. So hard. And, I mean, I'll be tough. honest, I do it. I mean, I've mm-hmm. done it. I mean, we're really working on it now, but I can't expect my children to do something that I'm not willing to do myself. And I mean, that's for every parent, right? Like, because mm-hmm. they just sit there and see you as a joke. Honestly, mm-hmm. they're like, really? You're doing it. Why can't mm-hmm. we? <laughs> right? yeah. And it's hard to break. I mean, I just think about the advice that we were given, you know, before we had Marcus and, you know, you see all these TikTok videos where it's like, I'm going to be that parent that never lets my kid have the iPad. And then like the reality shows up and he of course has the iPad. But part of me, like my husband, and I have said this, we did this to ourselves because now we have to break that cycle, right? Now we yes. have to explain to him 
we're sorry. You actually can't watch the iPad while we sit here and eat and like try to, you know, have meals, at least our dinner time where we don't have any electronics with us, but it's tough. It's It's really, really tough. I've had to break my kid from YouTube, YouTube, because I, it is the zero attention span, you know, and we don't use it often, but we would use it like if we were at church and he couldn't focus and the kid's room wasn't open yet. And we would give him my phone so he could watch it just so that we could listen to service. And it was like breaking him of it. And I could tell, like he wouldn't watch a video for more than 30 seconds. And so now he knows too. He, when he turns on the TV to watch a show, it's like no YouTube, right mom. And I'm like, that's right. No YouTube because you're not focusing. Do you find that now, because see, I would say my older kids didn't have that. We didn't have the iPads like that, but my younger ones do. And so I almost wonder if their attention span is less like they don't like even to watch movies. Like we went Mm -hmm. to Top Gun and my, my young, she has no desire like to sit for a movie. And I realize it's because they're just usually watching little bits, right? Mm -hmm. Totally. And that's, I I will say he, he can be okay for like movies for a period of time. Um, maybe like 30, 45 minutes. He won't, I mean, he's still kind of young, but like yesterday I had to take him to the chiropractor with me, both the kids. And I, I was like, you know what? I'm going to give him my phone. Cause I just, I need these like 30 minutes. My husband was golfing and I get back over <laughs> to where he was sitting when I was done. And I was like, Carson, what were you watching? He goes, I was watching TikTok. I was like, I'm sorry. What? I've never even shown him TikTok. And I know the stuff on TikTok that he did. And he yes. was like, I was watching TikTok on YouTube. And I was like, oh my God, I'm a horrible mom right now. Like I'm never giving you my phone again, unless I'm right by you. Um, because you know, they, the things that they see on there and that's where like, I just, I think social well, they, media they has do, ruined our children. They do compilations. That's how I found out. Cause I, Leilani was like, I know this TikTok dance. And I'm like, you know what, where would you know a TikTok? And she's like, mom, they just, you can go on YouTube and they just will show like 10 minutes mm-hmm. of a whole clip of them like man they're getting so smart with how they can find ways you know because i had youtube kids how are you getting it in youtube kids you know yeah Yeah. well i I would have to ask my husband the stats on this but we can always look it up so we know that tiktok is a platform from china right they have um very strict parameters for their children over there that they cannot even you know watch it between certain hours and then it's like a certain time limit Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I, I think it's dangerous because what it's doing is it's taking away from, you know, like what kids should be doing. Like Marcus has Legos. He loves that. He has a toolkit. He loves like we were working outside on our house a lot this weekend. He loves to bring his little toy tools out there to be like daddy, or he wants to play with, you know, the drill and do these things and, and learn about these things. And I would much rather him do that. Yep. Yeah. It requires us to sit next yes. to him and explain things and, and obviously be careful with some of the stuff, but that's more important because as he gets older, I think the kids should be able to help around the house and do chores. Like I always had a chore sheet and I didn't always get a, um, what was it? Like the reward, monetary reward, weekly, weekly allowance. allowance. Didn't always get that. Um, but there were certain times that I did and then it would be put into savings. And my mom would say, okay, now you want this special gift. That's a hundred dollars. Well, then you have to take it out of your savings from your allowance. Right. And I think it's really important. And the sad part is too, from a social perspective, and obviously COVID played a big role in this, but think about those kids that are, you know, a little bit older. Like I think about certain family members that we see from time to time, they do not hold a conversation with adults the way that, I mean, granted, I grew up with older siblings, older parents. I knew how to hold conversations with adults and they don't. We have to have presence as a parent. That is the hard part. If you want your kids to be able to do these things, you have to be present with them and you can't have your phone. You got to talk and work with them and sit with them. Like the other night, like I know I catch myself on the phone all the time. It's when you, especially when your business is on social media, it is very difficult, but you put it away. You put it away. You leave it in the house. It'll be okay for like Carson and I played outside for an hour the other day, just like he was. And the kid's imagination is huge. But I have to be present with him. And I have like, and that is how kids know when you have your phone there, like they know when you're not like, we, we need to be present as parents. And that's the bottom line. And And it's hard. And and they want it. They, they definitely want it. You know, my daughter, I gave her, it sounds so silly, but I'm like, Hey, listen, I'm going to give you five hours of my, you know, I won't have my phone with me at all. Like, I didn't realize it was going to be that big of a deal to her. I just wanted it on the last day of school. I told her this, it kind of made me sad because afterwards she literally was like going through her head of like, 
So if I want to, if we want to go somewhere, like, do I have to count the time in the car as oh. our time? And I was like, oh my gosh, Leilani, I am working too much with like, just because she goes, you don't have your phone or like your laptop and, you know, and it's like things like that, that we need to be aware of. But we're also unfortunately in a society right now that's forcing almost all women to work. Right. Mm-hmm. So it is a lot, on, which is more the reason we need to take care of our health. It's more mm-hmm. the reason because we got to have bodies that can like withstand mm-hmm. because I took a, I took a note here, you know, you talked about Becca, like it took eight to 12 months of healing. Mm-hmm. I wanted to talk about that time frame because I think there's a lot of women that as I'm listening to both of your stories, I know a lot of people with autoimmune issues. One, I know a lot of people that have, you know, so you've got your issues over here with you, Liz, and then you've got with Becca the person that has like worked hard and you think you've done a lot of the right things. And then, you know, your adrenals crash, right? Especially as you probably were already making better decisions prior to that, but it's just that disaster waiting to happen. You know, it's like the perfect storm or like, you know, Eric always says a tsunami, a tsunami wait, it's coming. It's inevitable that it is going to hit eventually land. And so you can't stop it at that point. So talk me through those eight to 12 months, because I think people need the reality check that this is not an overnight healing. Like, let's say you're listening to this and you're like, okay, I am. I I mean, I'm checking the boxes to a lot of this stuff. Mm -hmm. What are some of the first things, you know, you can say, because there are a lot of long-term changes you need to make, but what are some of those that you needed to make? Um, So I had to identify, I had to like accept it. I was in a big denial phase with it, with my weight going up. I felt, I was like, maybe I just need to cut calories more. And like, at this point, I also knew what was going on. I was far enough into like my knowledge around nutrition and health that I knew what was going on. But I, one, had to have the test. I had to have, I got a Dutch test and it showed me like, you literally have driven your body into the ground. You have zero cortisol that's being produced. Your body has overproduced it for too long and now it's not producing it anymore. And I had to see that. I had to, I had to have the proof because otherwise I was just sure. going to stand in denial and I was going to keep trying to do the things that I, you know, should work, quote unquote. There was a lot of um, venting to Liz, um, a lot of like, my waitress won't stop going up. I don't know what to do. I'm freaking out, like a lot of that. Um, and it was hiring a coach that could talk me off the ledge a lot and help me apply the things that I need to be applied and things, some things that I didn't know. Someone that was, a, you know, an expert in that particular like adrenal issues and hormonal issues. Um, and she helped me. I was talking to her very frequently because um, I was very freaked out about like, you need to be eating more than you are eating and you need to take intensity back from your workouts. And so I was doing CrossFit, trying to get back into competing. My body could not handle it. And mm-hmm. so it became, I was doing some Peloton stuff. I was doing some like strict bodybuilding, lots of walking um, and eating like 2,400 to 2,600 calories a day, which was probably even less than I needed even then. Cause I was too scared to go higher than that. And it was being okay with this phase of life, which was a lot of mindset of I am doing this to eventually be able to get my body to respond, to get to a place where I physically can be happy again. Right now, yes, my body is not where I want it to be, but this is the only option. I cannot keep trying to do things that are hurting it more for short-term gain, if that even is what I get. Because most people are in a place where like, you aren't even going to get short-term gain anymore. Even if you cut calories and take out carbs and all of these things, your body's just going to keep fighting it. And so it was a lot of mindset work. It was finding a new normal for me. And it was honestly, for me, I had to get rid of a lot of clothes. I had to get rid of some things that were triggering for me because when I was trying to fit into clothes that didn't fit me anymore, I, those were the days where I was like, I feel so fat. I don't know how I need something to work. I need, it was like wearing clothes that I felt comfortable in and like doing the things that I still felt good doing lots of walks, low intensity, and just letting my body tell me when it was ready again. When my, you know, I I felt rested at night. I felt like I was sleeping well again. My digestion had regulated again. Like all of those things were my signs. And I kind of just tried to let my body tell me. And I didn't have a timeline on it. It was just, this is my new normal for now. When I feel ready, I will try again. Um, And we, you know, we got pregnant during that eight to 12 months too. And so like, that was another thing that obviously, you know, (laughs) just another piece. Um, But it was for me, just take the timeline away. Like this is what my body needs right now. And I need to honor and respect that regardless of what I emotionally want. There are physical needs that my body's showing me it has. And 
it's hard. It is very hard. There was a, there were some dark moments for me in that because I had to work through correlating my worth with how I looked Yes. because as a fitness trainer at the time and Liz and I running a nutrition business, like I thought that I, people probably were like, you look like you've given up. You look like you let yourself go, you, you know, and all these things. And it was like, there's a lot of internal battles there of, you know, people are not going to take me seriously because I, it looked, I felt like I looked like I had let myself go. And so, you know, well, I think too, you were also comparing yourself to that 9% body fat, right? Like we have a lot of clients that we work with that I'm sure Amy, you can resonate with this. I know for me for a long time, I still saw myself as the girl that was over 200 pounds, you know, like that body dysmorphia, um, even when you're losing weight. And so I think for her on the flip side of that, it was like, you're comparing not to the eight yes. to 10 pounds that you gain, but to the leanest version of yourself. I think that's why competing just is so, so hard for people because they should have been told from the get-go, you will never keep the body. What are you thinking? It's a competition. Like it's a mm-hmm. peak. Yeah, peak here. You shouldn't even expect to, but deep down, because I think so many women use it as a weight loss tool is doing a show. It's kind of like the same person that does like a marathon to lose the weight. Like we always say to people, you actually should get in shape to run, not run to get in shape. Like you should already be an athlete and then start running. Like I did triathlons. There's a whole art to it. And the last thing you want is this heavy person out there, just, you know, all this weight on yourself, not knowing what you're doing. There's a lot to it and they're using it as the weight loss tool, right? Mm -hmm. They're thinking that Mm -hmm. and you see it a lot with um, competition now, which is, I think why a lot of them even rebound because they weren't even remotely healthy before they didn't have any healthy habits and they suddenly decide, you know, I'm going to go jump in on this and do that, you know, and next thing you know, they're, you know, so it's like twofold because then that they've got the psychology issues and then they have now a lot of them because with competition, you see these coaches that since there is a deadline, that's the problem with competing. And so you have the pressure. I mean, we never did it. And it was why we probably never really lasted with the politics is Eric just wouldn't, I mean, you want to compete too bad, get in shape first, and then we'll talk about dates, but we're not going to, we're not going to like, I'm not, I mean, unless it's like a seasoned pro that he was working with, you're not picking a show where we feel like we have a timeline because what happens then is when the body doesn't start responding, they keep dropping you because Mm -hmm. you've got a show. Right. And like, you're now really working against, you know, you're, you're costing yourself on the other side. So I think it's actually hard for people to do this area without a coach. Agreed. And I know it's because I have a bias because I am a coach, but I also know it's because I can really get in my head. Do you find that, you know, most people that attempt to do it, even if you give them all the, the answers that they still need some handholding? Absolutely. A lot of handholding because it's very emotional. They don't understand. There's all of these, you know, questions and thoughts like, why is my body failing me? Is it ever going to get any better? They can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. And so, kind of to answer one of the things that you mentioned earlier, like that eight to 12 month time frame, I would say to anybody who is in a place where things are not working optimally, so whether it's digestive issues, we're not sleeping through the night, maybe we're going through a hormonal transition and perimenopause to postmenopause postpartum journey, like wherever you might be, you have to remove the timeline because every body is so different. And for some individuals, we can help clients in three to six months, heal their gut, feel really good for other individuals. It's going to take a long time. And so I always just remind people of like, think about all of the things that you have behind you in this life. So when I got diagnosed with hypothyroidism, I was a couple of years, you know, out of college, like 24, 25 years of unhealthy, bad habits, another, you know, autoimmune in my teens, like that's a lot that has compiled up over the years. Not to mention in college, I wasn't eating and, you know, watching the foods that I was consuming that well, right. I didn't have the knowledge. We talked about this briefly, but like, even when I did Weight Watchers, it was a lot of processed crappy, you know, point food. And so you have to think about all of those things. And to the average person, I know that's really hard to wrap your head around because when you're talking to somebody who's a practitioner or in the space, who's coached a lot, like your body takes a beating every single day. And so it's going Mm -hmm. to take time. It's not going to be a month. It's not going to be two months. Mm -hmm. It's going to take some time to, as one of our coaches, Courtney says, right the ship and really heal the root cause issues and get things functioning better because it's all a trickle effect. Like you have bad digestive issues, 
probably struggling with thyroid issues or adrenal if there's issues. There's something upstream. Yes. Yep. There's something. And that's the hardest on. part that like it's so when you have gut issues, 10 different people with the same gut symptoms could have 10 different reasons for why that gut's an issue. And that's yes. the hard part with like do a gut healing protocol. Like each one of those people might need something different. And, you know, yes. that's so why we've gotten to a place where we want to be able to have the capability to run more testing for clients too, that like what should work isn't working. Okay. We need to get a bigger picture. We need to be able to look at more things. And that's, yep. you know, it's, it's so hard. And the hardest part for me was that weight gain had to be part of my healing journey. And I think that's something that women really struggle to accept because if I'm trying to lose weight, why should I have to gain weight to be able to lose weight? And yes. I get it. That was, that was me. I, I Absolutely. didn't it. Like, I'm, I'm like, like, can I just heal second. without gaining any more weight? Is that possible? And it's like, no, yeah. because the body needs to feel safe again. And weight gain yes. is one of the main ways that it can do that. And so yeah. sure. Can we try and manage that by doing high quality foods to consume when those high calories to still move in non-stressful ways, like get lots of sleep? Absolutely. Don't just eat your, you know, extra calories that your body needs from shit food. But exactly. unfortunately, we don't have a crystal ball. I can't tell you how much weight your body feels it needs to be safe. And yes, here's the thing. It is never final. You can always get to a place that you can change your body again. But right now in this healing journey, we need to be okay with that potentially. And so yes. I tell people all the time, like, this is a season. It might not be a season you love, but it's a season you need. And if we don't do this, you might not get to the place that you want. You probably yes. won't. And so people that leave that can't handle that, that's unfortunate. But, you know, it's at the end of the day, weight gain is a part of the journey for many women before it they is. can get to a place to lose weight. Yeah, it, it has to set you up for that future fat loss. I had to have that drilled in, you know, and I've had to learn that, gosh, it's been 13 years since I had that first bout of like, I mean, I was piling it on in like mm -hmm. a thousand calories. And even to this day, I have to do short seasons of a deficit if I even do it because yep. my body is just, it's crazy how it can adapt, right? Mm -hmm. It just knows. It's like, I am tired of it. So I think people are quick to, you know, I had a client that just recently, she was in maintenance for a whopping three months. And I said, but, you know, she's like already chomping at the bit to go down. And I'm like, we haven't even, I mean, you're, you're eating at maintenance calories, but we haven't even, I didn't even taught you how to like lose some of that and you're already super anxious to go back like you're in your 50s you've been cycle dieting forever let's please ride this for a while because i also think that a lot of people need to live in a phase of loving yourself there doesn't mean you don't want more but you should at least stand in the mirror and go i love you i love for what you're doing for me i don't want to be here forever and i'm okay owning that because i think a lot of people think well, then am I not just settling? Because I actually had a hard time wrapping around the love yourself. It still triggered me in therapy a few years ago in that mm -hmm. I didn't like that because I felt like it was making me settle. That yes. if I say that I love myself here, well, then how am I going to ever get better? But I didn't realize that when I love myself, I will show up for myself. I had way less sabotaging. Still will have it every now and then because I'll have external things that will hit my way. But at least from that internal standpoint, I'm not juggling the, do I love myself today? Do I not do I love myself today? You know, because it's all based on, you know, like earning it, but in the wrong way. Like I tell people still, you do have to earn, and I hate that word because it can trigger people, but you have to earn it through yourself, through keeping your promises, through, you know, those things. What kind of, um, talk me through what you, you know, take clients through. Like someone reaches out to you, I mean, are they checking in with you? um monthly weekly like how do you help them to feel like they've got some accountability with you so we have a couple of programs so we have a uh, group coaching program that there's weekly lives that we do with them kind of round robin with them look at all of their stuff they fill out a check-in form so on and so forth so that is for individuals who want to like lay the foundation you know, maybe they're struggling um, with just adherence and being consistent and they need accountability and they need some support, or they just want to know that what they're doing is right for them in terms of, you know, mm -hmm. calories and exercise and stuff like that. Our one-on-one -on -one coaching program is really for individuals that are dealing with a lot of dysfunction. And so we're on one-on-one -on -one calls with them every other week, typically. We also have, you know, group calls for them to come to weekly. So there's a lot of communication and touch points. Right. 
if somebody is going through a healing protocol, then yeah, we might text or Facebook message or email much more outside of, you know, their calls. But usually on our one-on-one, we're mapping out the next two weeks of changes for them because there is something that I think maybe we should touch on that a lot of people think like, oh, my macro should be adjusted all the time. Like you have to give your body time and consistency doing things in order for it to be able to respond. So like, I'm very similar to you with like, my body is tired of dieting, like short-term deficits. And I kind of get to the point where it's like, I don't even know if I want to do this anymore. I mean, it's, it's taxing. Right. But even if you're doing that, like four to six weeks, I would say for somebody before we're making a lot of adjustments, sure. We might adjust a couple of things here or there, but I do not buy into the fact that macros should be adjusted every single week. Um, you know, the check-in is all, doing, actually. Yeah. I mean, the check-in like, is really accountability. Based, right? <laughs> yeah. But we say bi-weeklies are for us, like meaning it's for me to see what, what you've been doing. But I like that you touch on that because, you, you know, you're paying a coach for results. So if you don't have to have any diet adjustments, consider yourself lucky. Like I had someone mm-hmm. recently that, I mean, it's been awesome. She's started at 230 she's down to 210. Now I did start her at like the 10.0 because she had a little more regulatory, you know, hormone protection. So I started knowing, I said to her, I'm kind of reverse tapering you, not super aggressive, but I'm going to start you 10, but we're not adjusting. Like, and I've explained her now that she's 210 pounds. Now she's eating at like 11.3. I said, I'm not, I'm not making one adjustment until we hit closer to 12. I said, because I already know you've already put your body through crap. So Mm -hmm. the fact that we've gone three months and her body has responded that way, like consider yourself lucky. Mm -hmm. I always was told you got to see this like a game. It's eat as much as you can while losing a reasonable amount. I mean, like we Mm -hmm. should be happy even with, I mean, a pound of fat a week. If people only realized this is not water weight, this is not weight loss. This is fat loss. Like at the end of the year, losing 52 pounds of fat would be freaking fantastic. Yet, right. Do you know how many people I know complain because they're in the 200s, they're heavier and they feel like they've got this panic anxiousness to get there. And I'm like, trust me, most people don't ever consistently lose 52 pounds a year. They might lose 20 pounds over their little four week crash. Mm-hmm. They gain that back. But if you follow someone from January to December, they're not losing 52 pounds because they're not consistent enough, right? Yeah, they're looking absolutely. for these these, these quick things. So I love that you do that. I love that you keep them accountable. And I just love that you're helping, you know, women that, I mean, you've experienced this yourself. And I find that, you know, sales, I hate sales in in coaching. And I find that the best way to get your message across is your own experience. Your own experience Mm -hmm. is the best way to sell because I'm just telling you what I've experienced and I'm telling you how I've fixed it. And I find that we're just more convicted. I mean, listening to your podcast, I mean, one to go listen to definitely is the why reverse dieting is key to fat loss. Anyone Mm -hmm. listening should go listen to that. Um, because I didn't need, you know, to know much about what you're doing. I can hear the energy and that transfer of energy. You know, Ed Milet always says this is that I don't need you to believe what I'm saying. I need you to believe that I believe what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. So listen to that. That's very key. So when I'm, when I'm listening to Becca and Liz, that's what I hear is the passion from like, it doesn't matter what y'all are going to tell me. Otherwise I know. (laughs) what works. I know what is, you know, and I think that that's what more women need. And then they need more people that are living it by example. And that was another reason why I wanted to have you on. And I know that I will probably have you on again, because as I listen to more episodes of it, okay, we need to talk about this and Hmm. how we can help more women because you're making a huge, huge difference. I wish that I would have had an example like you um, when I was a young mom, because I think that we do back then I was so much chasing like the unhealthy. Whereas if I would have just stopped and been like, I need to be a good example to my kids. And that might be finding the, and I hate that word, but the balance in mm-hmm. showing them that you do enjoy those things. And, you know, cause I was, I, I was probably like Liz and well, both of you in that you could really take it that other way, if not kind of course correcting, right. And that mm-hmm. we just go harder, harder and see our value in that. And then our children don't really, you know, learn from that. So where can they find you? Um, where's the best place? I mean, obviously the podcast, the food code podcast, I, I find it on Apple, but it's also on Spotify. I'm sure everywhere. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. On all podcasts. Where can platforms. they follow you? Yeah. So our website is fitmomlife.com. 
Very simple. Uh, I am on Instagram, Liz Roman Nutrition. Yeah, mine's Becca Chills dot nutrition because my last name is obnoxious. Um, my thank you, husband. Uh, but yeah, Becca C H I L C Z dot nutrition. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, I I agree. People people buy you. They don't buy your program. Um, they buy you and how they feel you can help them and how they relate to you. And so that's why Liz and I try to be as honest and real in our lives and what our lives look like on our stories. And that's, you know, what I want our social media to portray is like, this is our life. This is what we know. This is what we preach. Um, so yeah, that's, that's how you can see it. And I would just say, you know, to anybody listening who feels like, cause we get this a lot, like you guys are such badasses. I don't know how you do it all. And listen, guys, we're not purpose, per- perfect. <laughs> um, every day we're purposeful and it's really about just showing up for yourself. And so, you know, I know Amy and, um, we discussed this on the podcast when you came on to our show talking about, you know, the approach of being 1% better every day and you can do hard things. It's not always perfect with timing. A lot of times it's, you know, pivoting and adjusting, asking my husband for help or rearranging schedules so that I can get that 30 minutes in talking to Becca, moving things around that we need to, to support each other as business partners to be able to train, you know, at different times uh, in different seasons. And so just know that you need, support, you need accountability, but most importantly, you just need to show up for yourself and all these other things will fall into place. And, you know, if you can start with that, I think you'll make it really, really far because at the end of the day, no matter what you see on social media or what you see all over the internet, TikTok, whatever, nobody is perfect. Mm -hmm. And don't place that expectation on yourself. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I love that. This is the perfect way to end it. And this won't be the last time because I love you too. Thank you for coming on. Of course. Thank you. Okay, I'm on a mission. As you know, if you've been following along, I have a goal to be a top 100 podcast. And it's less about that top 100 and more about I want to make an impact. I want more people to hear effort and learn from all the mistakes that I've made, along with me bringing on really special guests for you. So my ask here is this. I want you to screenshot this episode today and share it on your social media. Share it with a friend, you know, tag me in it. Go give me a review you, of course, if you're really feeling it and rate me, you know, this is the only way things are going to get seen here. And in a big world of tons and tons of podcasts, I'm hoping that you're going to choose mine and help me on my mission.